Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my own unconventional budget micro-wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If you don't feel represented in mainstream wedding media, if you haven't been dreaming about your wedding day since you were six years old, and if you don't want to have an Instagram wedding, then you are in the right place. Okay, welcome back. On today's episode, I am getting into five hard wedding planning truths that you need to hear. And as the title says, these might be hard to hear. They're going to be a little bit controversial, a little bit unconventional as we do with this podcast. Probably not things you're going to see in, you know, beautiful bridal magazines or fancy wedding websites. Um, But I think they're really important. And I, I think they're true. But of course, I am one person. I am not a professional Uh, This is just my opinion, so of course, take it with a grain of salt, but if you hear things and your immediate reaction is like, ugh, like, that's not true, that's stupid, that's a lie, maybe sit with that for a minute and just, you know, let me, (laughs) let me say my piece um, before you delete the episode or turn me off, and maybe something will resonate and you'll find, like, a little kernel of truth in what I'm saying um, that's true for you, that's true for your situation, or maybe you'll be nodding along the whole time, in which case I love it, I have found my people. <laughs> um, and for all of the truths that I'm about to get into, I think I have longer episodes on pretty much every single one of these, which I'll try to reference throughout, but we'll probably forget. But if any of these topics were really like, oh, wow, yeah, that's really important, or that's so true, I need to learn more about that, just head back to the archive, and I'm sure you will find some more information about them. Okay, so let's jump in. The first hard wedding planning truth that you need to hear. Your parents don't owe you money. (gasps) Shocking, I know. (laughs) It seems like for many couples, especially, you know, younger couples in their 20s, first wedding, they assume that their parents are paying for it. There's this expectation. It's not even like, a oh, are my parents going to pay? It's how much are they going to pay? How much are they putting in? Uh, I was listening to a podcast recently, I won't I won't say the name just to not throw them under the bus. And they literally said like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we always assume the more well off parents are going to foot the bill. Um, and then in a Facebook group I was in, a bride was saying, oh, we only asked them to cover the catering. And it's just like, it blows my mind. Because why? Where did this come from? I mean, obviously, I know where it came from way, way back in the day when tradition said that the bride's parents pay for the wedding in a hetero wedding. And it was literally the bride's parents like hosting this event to sort of, you know, send their daughter off. Thanks for (laughs) making sure she doesn't die alone. Um, But in this day and age, you know, 21st century 2021, how are we still assuming that our parents are paying for weddings? That's absurd to me. Um, I'll just speak, you know, for myself and my partner and I, we purchased a house a few years ago and we spoke to our parents. Of course, we were not expecting money from them, but we kind of reached out to all our parents and said, Hey, if you do want to contribute um, to our, to our house, you know, if you want to help us out, if you do have the funds set aside, we would love it. You know, we'll break it all down. When we sell, you'll get some interest, <laughs> try to make it work like, you know, a, a nice investment scheme for them. But we said straight up, like, hey, if you were going to save any money for us for our wedding, we would much rather put it towards a house. So please, you know, whatever funds you're sort of earmarking for the wedding, don't bother, put it towards the house, which I'll get into more in another hard truth. Um, but it was a question we were asking, you know, do you want to? Is this part of your plan? It was never an assumption. So I just don't understand where that comes from. People assuming that their parents should pay for a wedding that that's the parent's job to have, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, $100,000 set aside to host a one day event just seems a little bit wild to me. And I would be very shocked if my parents, you know, 
came out of the woodwork saying, oh yeah, here's 30 grand to be put aside for your wedding. I'd be like, what? Like, why are, you, why are you doing that? You don't have that kind of money and I do not want to spend it on a wedding. And even if that's not the situation, like even if your parents are very well off or your fiance's parents are well off, you are still not entitled to their money. <laughs> like assuming, you know, they did their job of feeding and clothing and housing you up to age 18. They probably helped you go through whatever post-secondary education, maybe got you started with, you know, a job or an apartment or a house, whatever it is. You are not entitled to their money. Like just because they have money doesn't mean they need to spend it on your wedding. So I think we all just need to you know, take a step back, wipe those assumptions um, out of our minds and expectations and go into those conversations with your parents without any of that, with just the simple question of, hey, you know, we're getting married. We'd love to, to know from you if you are interested in contributing financially, uh, you know, no pressure, no expectations. But if you are, we'd love to, you know, sit down and chat about it. And in that conversation, you know, I, I have done an episode about this. I think it's called how to talk to your parents about your wedding budget or something like that. But it's so important that you get really, really clear about exactly what that's going to look like. Because a lot of parents say, oh, yeah, of course, of course, we'll help out. And then it's never spoken of again. And it's this awkward situation where the couple's like, okay, how much money do they want to give us? Uh, you know, do, do we have to show them receipts? Are they going to pay up front? Are they going to pay us back later? And then you get into weird situations where the parents think they have control over certain things. You know, they think they get to pick the venue since they're paying or they get to invite 30 of their best friends, they have to approve of the dress and the cake and the caterer and the band, um, and it just gets messy. And there's so much like drama, unnecessary family drama in the middle of all that, because it is, you know, these people who love you and are having, maybe having a hard time, you know, letting you go. And then there's also potentially tens and thousands of dollars involved. So if you are getting your parents involved, if they do say, yes, we'd like to contribute, make sure you sit down with them and have that conversation about what that's going to look like. You know, try to get an exact dollar amount or, you know, if they say, oh, we'll take care of the food, then let them know, hey, here's what we're thinking. We want to do food trucks. Here's the average cost, you know, giving them that information and talk through some of the challenges, like say something like, hey, if I decide I want to do a pizza food truck, is that okay? What happens if you don't like the food I pick? you know what's what's the, what's going to happen <laughs> do, are you going to have veto power because you're paying for it do we have to come to an agreement and then sort of decide with you and your partner is that something you're comfortable with are you okay with your parents having veto power um, is that one of the conditions of accepting their money? Or, you know, what if they say, okay, we'll pay for everything, but you have to get married in our church or our temple or synagogue or mosque? Is that okay? Um, you know, really understanding that even, you know, I think the most generous parents who would just give you the money and walk away, or there's probably going to be a little bit of something attached to that. So even if your parents do say yes to the money that they do not owe you, <laughs> that you should not expect to receive, there's usually a little something um, involved with it. It's, it's a little bit conditional, even in the best of circumstances. Okay, hard wedding truth number two. This one I am very passionate about, so I will try not to get on my soapbox for too long. But here's the truth. You cannot control your wedding party's time and money. You have no say over it. I have heard so many times people who, you know, oh, I'm so upset because my bridesmaid hasn't asked me about the wedding. She doesn't even seem into it. Or, oh, I'm so angry. My groomsman doesn't want to fly out for the bachelor party, even though I know he went on a trip to Cabo last weekend and he gets paid tons of money. 
And it's just, ugh, it drives me up the wall because we do not control our friends' time and money. How our friends and family, you know, whoever's in your wedding party, how they choose to spend their free time and their, you know, discretional income is up to them. Just because they said yes to being in your wedding party does not mean that your wedding is the most important thing in their life and that they need to dedicate all of their time and money to your wedding. Your wedding day is most important to you and literally no one else. <laughs> Nobody else in the world besides you and your partner are as you know committed and involved in this wedding day. You might think your parents, but probably for very different reasons, no one else. So you are not entitled to all of your wedding party's time and attention and dollars. That just, ugh, this one drives me crazy. And I think I shared this story before, but I was in a wedding a few years back and the bride wanted to do a bachelor party in Vegas or bachelor bachelorette party in Vegas. And I really did not want to go. Uh, you know, I, I could have made it happen. I did have some money to put it together, but I was already spending so much money to be in this wedding, to, you know, fly back and forth, to get a hotel, to pay for hair and makeup, to buy the shoes, to buy the dress, um, bunch of other things. I was, you know, well into the thousands for this wedding. And I really did not want to use my limited extra funds and my limited vacation days to go to Vegas. That's not my idea of a good time. And I don't think it's fair to say, oh, but you're a bridesmaid, you're in the wedding. So what? So it doesn't mean you're entitled to five of my vacation days and, you know, thousands more of my dollars to go to an event I didn't want to be in. So I told the bride, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not able to join you in Vegas. Like, and she was trying to say, Oh, do you want to borrow money from me? And I was like, absolutely not. Like this, you know, it's not an issue of if I do I have the money because you know, I do I don't have a ton of money, but I, I had enough if I if I did want to go to Vegas, and I didn't want to be borrowing money from the bride and getting into that. I think it's just one of those things where as the couple, you know, assuming you are um, a bride or groom listening, maybe, maybe not, maybe you're in a wedding party and you're nodding along furiously to this, but we just need to understand that like, because our friends and family say yes to being in the wedding party, that is an honor. Like asking them to stand up there with us, it's because we love them and we want to recognize the important place they have in our lives. You know, we're stepping into this new realm of being married and we want them with us. We are not hiring them. They are not, you know, our party planners and our, I don't know, bar friends, bar hopping friends, wing women, wing men, whatever it is. Um, we are not like, forcing them to take on a job we're supposed to be honoring them the whole the whole point of this is to honor the person it's already you know absurd that we expect them to be buying $300 dresses they're never going to wear again and flying all over the place for you know weddings and rehearsal dinners and bachelor and bachelorette parties and showers and buying gifts and paying for their hair and makeup and buying shoes and hotel rooms and just everything like it's already very very expensive and very time consuming to be in a wedding party and it's funny that you know those people who as soon as we say you know bridesmaid groomsman person of honor whatever the title is as soon as we say that we automatically expect them to be okay with footing this huge bill spending all of this time on our wedding on top of that we're also expecting them to be really interested asking us questions helping out going to you know outfit fittings cake tastings helping with crafts putting together favors being in the whatsapp group being in the oh don't even get me started on those if you put all of your wedding party members into a whatsapp group or a facebook messenger group or whatever like do it do it sparingly please only message that group when you really need to get information out to everyone please do not force those people to become best friends the majority of us are fully well I mean I hope everyone in your wedding party is a fully grown adult 
who, you know, it's just like, it's not kindergarten. <laughs> when you put together your group, I'm sure you have these lofty ideals of, oh, we're all going to have the best time. We're going to hang out in Vegas by the pool. We're going to get Manny petties. We're all going to be best friends. And like, you just, you don't need that. You don't need to force these fully grown adults with their own lives, their own friend groups, sometimes, you know, living on opposite sides of the country or of the world to try to be best friends and all hang out together. Like that doesn't need to be a thing. You don't need to have monthly brunches or anything like that. Um, you know, it's an, you know, if you want to hang out with these people, amazing. If they're all already friends and want to hang out with you too, great. But just don't make that the expectation because oh, it's just too much. It's too much. And it's the exact same people who, you know, pre-wedding, if you had gone to brunch, you'd all be pulling out your apps to calculate the tip and make sure everyone, oh, I didn't have a, a glass of, you know, mimosas. So I'm not paying for that. And, you know, splitting things, you know, splitting the $10, tab at Starbucks. So you each pay for your own drink. And now all of a sudden, because you're getting married, they have to spend, you know, thousands of dollars. So it's just silly. And even if your friends, you know, have that extra money, they have that extra time, you do not get to control how they spend it. So sorry, I definitely got up on my soapbox on this one, but I'm very passionate about it. I definitely think the wedding party kind of gets dragged through the mud. I think the expectations are way too high and it's kind of shitty because, you know, these are the people who are supposed to be our best friends, our most important, you know, loved ones, and we're supposed to be honoring them. And we actually end up sort of, you know, treating them almost like slaves. Like we're expecting them to have all of their time and energy and money devoted to us. And then of course, there's always that one really like, Ugh, gung-ho member of the wedding party who like actually really wants to be involved in everything and is happy to spend the extra money and it's just like okay that's great that person can be you know they can do whatever they want and if you're listening to this and you are that person that's amazing <laughs> like I'm sure you know whatever bride or groom that you're cheerleading for loves it but that shouldn't be the expectation for the entire wedding party it should be very chill and an honor. Just keep going back to that. Remember that you ask these people to stand up there with you because you love them and you want to honor them, not because you expect them to plan huge parties for you and spend all of their time and money on you. Hard wedding planning truth number three, you are allowed to question traditions. You are allowed to question every single part of a wedding day, every single part, and not even, you know, the things where you're like, oh yeah, um, you know, the bride being given away and having the veil over her face. We're not doing that. We're questioning it. We're going to change it up. Um, you can question everything, every single part of the wedding day. There are no set rules to get married, to have a wedding day. It's just, you just have to sign the paper. <laughs> you and your spouse have to sign the marriage license with someone who can legally marry you. And sometimes you need one or two witnesses. Um, in some places you don't even need that. Just the two of you can run off into the mountains with the license and sign it yourself. So everything else is extra. What you wear, who you invite, the idea of people, you know, standing up, sitting down, a ceremony space, cocktail hour, reception, first dance, cutting the cake, parents dances, all of that is totally extra and optional and up to you. And you can question it. Like, I think it's a really cool exercise to kind of go through the aspects of the wedding day and say, okay, why do, you know, in a hetero wedding, why do the bride and groom spend the night apart? Why does the bride get ready with her bridesmaids? Why does the bride walk down the aisle with her parents? Why is there an aisle? Why do all the guests, you know, sit and watch? Why is it not like more of a party atmosphere? Why aren't we all, 
just mingling and standing up? Um, why do we do, you know, the father-daughter dance? Why is the wedding party all wearing the same outfits? And I think it's just really interesting, you know, for starters, you can learn a lot. You can actually do some research, learn about all of these traditions, see where they came from. And a lot of them, you know, spoiler alert, have really horrible patriarchal, heteronormative, you know, vibes, silly things like, um, oh, like the corset you know the the groom going up the bride's dress to get the corset is like reminiscent of olden times when all the guests would try to like grab a piece of the bride's outfit which seems a little uh problematic to me um so not only do you get to learn and you know hear about these traditions but you also get to see if those things really resonate with you you know would you do a first dance if it wasn't something that you've seen done at every other wedding are you doing a first dance just because you think you have to? Maybe that's not some, like maybe you and your partner have never danced before. Maybe you hate dancing. Um, you know, no song. You don't have a song that is, you know, your song that you guys love and makes you teary-eyed. Um, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe, you know, it'd be much more you if you two had like your first coffee together as a married couple, your first, I don't know, karaoke song, your first board game together, your first... I don't know, painting, whatever it is, you know, what is, what is you two, what's going to make you two happy and not just something that you think you have to do because you've seen it before. Because like I said, all those things you've seen before that have become, you know, these wedding traditions are not required. They're not mandatory. And I, you know, I really came to this realization when my partner and I first started talking about weddings, probably a year or two into dating. And he said like, oh yeah, you know, I've always wanted or, you know, not always wanted, but oh, yeah, like, I, you know, I'd like to have a big wedding. Um, and I asked him why, because <laughs> from what I had known about him in the year or two that we had been dating, every part of a big wedding really did not sound like it was his thing. He doesn't like big groups. He doesn't like to be the center of attention. Um, he doesn't like to, you know, dance in public or anything like that. Doesn't like to wear suits. And it was so funny to me that he wanted to have this big wedding. You know, we're not really close to any of the extended family or anything like that. And I realized the only reason he, you know, pictured himself having that big wedding is because it's the only thing he's ever seen. He's never seen a small wedding. He's never been to, you know, a micro wedding or a destination wedding or an elopement. So those things didn't even, um, you know, cross his mind as options. So I think it's really cool when you do start to question all of the traditions and look into other ways, you know, come up with any kind of way to get married, Google it, and I'm sure someone else has done it. So <laughs> anything out of the box, you know, it's out there and it's possible. And I think that's, that's really, really cool. And I see all the time on these, you know, Facebook groups for weddings, people saying, Oh, what am I missing? Like, what else do I need to do on my day? What am I forgetting? And it's like, well, what do you want? <laughs> like, what do you think your day is missing? Because, you know, just because so-and-so decided to have, Oh, a cake cutting. And do you have the song picked out that your DJ is going to play when you cut your cake? And are you going to do the smash in each other's face thing? Like you don't have to do that just because someone else is doing that. And if you put together a beautiful wedding day and you didn't include a cake, it's probably because it's not that important to you. So go ahead and question all of those traditions go ahead and throw out any of the ones that don't work for you or rework them or find something new. And if you're doing anything just because it's what you're supposed to do, um, take a minute and sit with that and think, okay, well, what would we actually want to do? What makes more sense to us? What is more us, you know, what actually represents your relationship and isn't something you're doing just because your cousin did it at her wedding and your aunt did it at her wedding and your best friend from high school did it at his wedding. Um, but what do you two actually want to do? Okay. Hard wedding truth. Number four, 
you will not look at most of your photos. <gasps> Shocking, I know, but very true. <laughs> I have shared before that I do work with some wedding vendors in my role in like graphic design and social media. I see a ton of wedding photos and of course they are beautiful. But even, you know, I'll look at an album from a 30 minute elopement and I'll have over a hundred photos in front of me. And I can tell you right away, that you will not be looking at all of those photos, especially not those ones, you know, the ones I'm talking about. It's a shot of like the invitation with the envelope, with the rings, with a flower, with the bride's shoe. And it's just like this beautiful little setup. Like you are not gonna look at that picture <laughs> or the fake shots of people getting ready. I remember the weddings that I was in as a bridesmaid, the photographer would come and we'd have to like reenact moments of like, okay, pretend like help her put on her dress. Okay, pretend to help the bride put on a necklace, touch her veil. Okay, pretend you're seeing her for the first time. Like those are all fake. Like most, most photographers are either not there or they're just in the way when you're actually getting ready. Um, so all of those photos are just fake. And I remember, you know, posing for them and doing them and thinking like, this is so silly. Like my, you know, my friend, the bride here, she's not going to want to look at these photos of that time I fake helped her put her necklace on. Like, that's not a fun moment for the two of us. And, um, you know, to this day, five years after the wedding, the one photo that we all look at from that day with the bridesmaids is a photo we took in the hallway while we were getting ready before the photographer showed up, someone just snapped it on their phone. We're in like pajamas or our robes or like we're half dressed, you know, half of us are dressed, half of us are not. It was originally just going to be a couple of us bridesmaids. And then the bride happened to be, you know, free from hair and makeup and, and swooped into the photo. And that's my favorite photo from the day. That's her favorite photo too. And it's so funny that, you know, I'm sure she has on a disc somewhere or on some website, hundreds of photos of this, you know, fake getting ready and the rings and the flowers and the napkins and the decor and all these things. And like, you're not going to look at them. I promise you, you will not be framing a photo of your centerpieces and putting it up in your house. You will not be framing a photo of your shoes, of your dress hanging in the wind. Like that's not going to happen. Talk to all the married people, you know, ask them how often they look at their wedding photos. I'm sure they will say, oh, you know, we have a couple of the shots framed in our house. Most likely they are shots of just the two of them. Maybe a couple family shots. You know, they have some with their parents, maybe one with the wedding party, probably not. And then they might have an album that they look at mm, once a year on their anniversary, maybe if they remember. <laughs> Most married couples are not looking at their photos very often and they are not looking at all of their photos. So I say this not to make you feel bad. You know, if you want to take those photos, amazing, go for it. Most photographers will take them anyways. And it's not like photographers are missing out on, you know, photographing the couple because they're too busy photographing the invites. That's not happening. That's not, they're not running away from your ceremony to go take pictures of your rings or anything like that. So don't worry about that. But if you are kind of nodding along and saying, you know, you're right, I'm not going to look at those photos, there's no point, then maybe give yourself permission to forget about them. <laughs> if your photographer is, you know, hired by the hour, maybe instead of doing an eight or 10 hour day, do six hours, do four hours and say, hey, you know what, I actually don't need you to come for the getting ready portion because <laughs> I listened to this podcast that told me most of the getting ready photos are fake anyway. <laughs> and they're just in the way and it's kind of awkward and you don't really need to remember those moments of getting fake dressed. Um, you know, just have your photographer there for the ceremonies and maybe, or sorry, ceremony, eh, maybe ceremonies, maybe you have a couple, maybe you're doing a few different things and some portraits and maybe if you want a few reception photos, photos and then that's it. And you know, depending on your day, that might just be, I don't know, two hours, three hours, four hours. So that's a great option. You can save some money. 
Um, and you can also kind of save yourself a little bit of stress, you know, not having the extra person in the room, not having to worry about looking great and posing. Um, just really enjoy that time getting ready in the morning for real without having to fake recreate any of it because all of those extra shots, they are very pretty. And I'm sure when you were looking through your photographer's portfolio before you hired them, you thought, oh, wow, that's such a gorgeous shot of that ring in the shoe and the, oh, the rings are always in the flowers for some reason. Um, but you will not look at those. They serve no purpose. I promise you. <laughs> Do not worry. You can absolutely uh, say no to those kind of photos. All right. And for my last very hard wedding planning truth, I hope you're still with me. I hope I haven't offended anyone into turning this off. My last wedding planning truth is you should not go into debt for your wedding. I have talked about this one before and I bring it up a lot on my episodes where I go into how to cut your wedding budget, how it's okay to have a cheap budget wedding. Check those out. Those are some of the most popular episodes. Um, and I think it's just, it bears repeating. This really is a big truth that I strongly believe in. You should not go into debt for your wedding. Don't take out a loan, not a line of credit. Don't put it on your credit card. If you can't afford it, then you either need to downsize or you need to save up and postpone. That is my firm belief. And I'm going to, I'm going to go a step further here. So if you can't afford it, if you know, you're saying the dream wedding I want is $50,000. I don't have that. I talked to my parents and I asked them if they're going to pitch in, asked them, didn't assume, didn't expect, but asked them if they would pitch in. They're not going to pitch in. What do I do? So you can either downsize, you know, you take that $50,000 dream wedding and you say, okay, instead of, you know, this really fancy venue with 200 people, we're going to do my mom's backyard with 20 people. And now it's a $5,000 wedding and we can afford it. Or you postpone and you save up. You spend the next few years pinching pennies, putting money aside, you know, whatever you need to do, side hustles, Etsy, eBay, whatever it is, and you save up and you have that $50,000 wedding. Now I'm going to go a step further and just remind you that weddings do not have to cost $50,000 or $30,000 or even $10,000. You can get married for like $200, really. And end of story, you really could, you know, your license might be $100. And, um, you know, maybe you have to pay $50 to get somebody ordained online or whatever it is. And then maybe you want to tip someone or buy a ring off of Amazon or Etsy. You really could do the whole thing for $200. I know not a lot of people do. Um, but you could still have, you know, a very nice wedding with guests with you know, new outfits you buy, dresses, suits, whatever, feeding those guests, playing music, hiring a photographer, you could do that for a few thousand dollars, you know, 3,000, 5,000. Um, you just, you know, you have to get resourceful. Again, head back to those budget episodes that I, that I talked about. It does not have to be this tens of thousands of dollars kind of day. That's a very specific type of wedding. And when you start to invite you know, 100, 200, 300 plus people, and you start to look at these bigger venues, and you need to feed everyone dinner, and you have to get your dress from a certain place, and hair and makeup, and lots of bridesmaids, and all of those other things. Sorry, that was very um, bride-centric there, but, uh, you know, whatever your version of those things are, it starts to add up, and that's, you know, that's a certain style of wedding, and for me, I would not want to have that kind of wedding. Even if I was sitting on $30,000 or $50,000, which, you know, would be great. <laughs> I would never put that much money into a wedding because for me, that's just not my priority. I can't imagine spending 
tens of thousands of dollars on a one day event when I know I can do so many other things with that money. Like with $30,000, you could buy a really, really nice car. Um, I'm going to say really, really nice because, uh, you know, that's just the life I lead. I'm sure some people would think a $30,000 car is terrible, but I think you could get a nice car for 30 grand. You could put a down payment on a house or, you know, half of a down payment or quarter eighth of a down payment, depending where you are. I'm sure depending on where you are, that might be an entire house. You might be able to buy a house outright for $30,000. You could go on a really amazing trip. There are people who travel all around the world for an entire year for $30,000. Can you imagine? Like instead of your wedding day, instead of that one day, you in the perfect outfit with the cake and the music and the reception and 130 of your closest friends, you got to travel around the world for a year. Like you got to quit your job and you know, hang out in Bali and France and uh, Kenya and Peru and New York, you know, probably not New York really for this budget, but you could do that instead. Like to me, that's a no brainer. I take the trip, you know, every day of the week. And I know that's, you know, that's me. That's not you. Maybe you were more into the car. Maybe you were more into the down payment. Maybe you're more into the wedding and that's fine. But you know, Whichever thing you choose, I just think it's so important to really look at that money and say, you know, where is this money coming from? Is this money that we have saved up, that we have designated for wedding? You know, we put this aside. This is going to be the money that we want to spend on our wedding. And it's, you know, comfortable for us. We're not going to go into debt. We're not going to lose our house. We're not going to be able to, um, or, you know, we're not going to have to give up groceries or medical visits or insurance or something in order to afford this wedding. And then look at what else you could do with that money. I think that's a cool thing to do regardless of, you know, if it's a wedding, just any sort of big purchase, look at what are we getting with that money and what else could we be doing with it? Because maybe you realize that, you know, buying a house or going back to school or buying a car or going on that big trip is actually more important to you and that, you know, you get more enjoyment or more satisfaction out of that than a wedding date. And that's awesome. And maybe you don't think so, but just, you know, just question it, take some time, know that, you know, the $35,000 wedding average that they tell us is you don't have to do that. You don't have to have that kind of a wedding. And if you do, please do not go into debt for it because I promise that is going to hurt you more in the long run. You might have a beautiful day, but you will spend years and years paying that off. And you know what they say, like the, you know, the number one reason why relationships don't work out, it comes back to money issues. And the last thing you want to do is start your marriage off with a ton of debt that, you know, is going to cause problems for you, maybe cause some resentment. And I'm sure if you ask people who, you know, end up getting divorces because of money issues, if they (laughs) wish they had spent less on, you know, their wedding or whatever it is, I'm sure they would say yes. So just take a minute and, uh, and think through the big costs that you are putting on to a wedding. Okay, those are my five hard wedding planning truths. To recap, uh, the first one was your parents don't owe you money. (laughs) You cannot assume that they will pay for your wedding. The second one is you cannot control your wedding party's time and money. You have no say on how they spend their discretionary income or their time. Number three is you are allowed to question traditions, question every part of the wedding day and only do the things that work for you and are meaningful for you. Number four, you will not look at most of your photos. So feel free to say no to some of those silly photos you already know you'll never look at. And number five, you should not go into debt for your wedding and to really think seriously about how much money you want to put into your wedding and what else you could be doing with that money. Okay, I hope I have not offended anyone. I hope you stick around for next week's episode and join me again and that I gave you something to think about and maybe helped you sort of free up 
some wedding planning thing you were really having a hard time with, maybe hearing some of these truths has allowed you to let that go. I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. I really appreciate it, and I hope you found the episode helpful. If you really want to make my day, you can leave me a rating and review, subscribe so you don't miss the next episode, and tell a friend about the podcast. And remember, you can have a great meal without a centerpiece on the table.